Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Question me, Rose. Run for your life. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us for Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. For a number of years, Bravado Gaming has been the dominant force in the South African esports scene. Last weekend, January 21st, Bravado got 2018 off to a great start by taking out the African qualifiers for the World Electronic Sports Games, which then sees them go off to China in March to compete in the World Finals. But that isn't the biggest news around Bravado Gaming this month. On January 17, the team announced that the CSGO squad are relocating to the United States. South African teams have always struggled to compete against Northern Hemisphere teams due to the sheer physics of distance. By shifting to the US, Bravado will be competing against America's best on a level playing field. We sat down to chat with Bravado Gaming CEO Andreas Hachipascali at Bravado's new bootcamp headquarters in Johannesburg to talk about the origin of Bravado Gaming and how it plans to take over the US. We passed this over to the diva for her rating. Franku, what did the diva have to say? The diva has enjoyed this podcast and rates it lightly salted. Thank you kindly to both Franku and the Diva for that rating, but for now, without any further ado, please join me, Les Allen, as we release the Geek with Bravado Gaming. And now, we're releasing the Geek. What is your confession? Andreas, take me, take me into the back, into, into the dark the dark dark past of South African gaming. In the dark corners. Yeah. Where the millennials have never ever reached throughout yeah. uh, the last million years of, okay, I'm trying That's to make it. this sound yeah. very dramatic. Where, where, they, where, they, where they don't understand that the save icon was actually a disc. Cool. It's not just a picture on the screen. We're live, right? We are, okay. we are live. What? When, what were the origins of Bravado Gaming? How did it start? Okay, well, let me talk a little bit about myself first mm. before I go into Bravado, mm. and it'll give you a good idea of why I started Bravado. Sure. So, when I was about 15, 14 years old, mm-hmm. um, I was in high school, and um, I was also always fascinated about the gaming world, about PCs, about software technology, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And that came down to, you know, where we discovered a, an internet cafe uh, close to our school. I used to go to Benoni High, so mm-hmm. we always used to go to this one internet cafe called Cyberghost, which mm-hmm. was in Faramir and Benoni. Okay. And it was me and my friend, mainly, and uh, we used to go after school during weekends. We would spend long hours there just playing different games. Um, at the t- time, I was really interested in StarCraft, mm-hmm. uh, Brood War, and this original StarCraft. Mm-hmm. And every time we used to go to to this internet cafe, there would always be a back room. And I never knew what was in this back room. There were people there, but I didn't know what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one day someone asked me to come into the back room and I walked into this back room and there was like a gaming team there. Mm -hmm. And when I saw the gaming team, you know, I was like, wow, I want to become like these guys one day. I want to be part of something. I want to play competitively. Um, This sounds very, very cool. And uh, I want to try and make the absolute best that I can make by trying to play socially or competitively or just join a community Mm -hmm. or so forth. Um, Franku, we're just pausing while the the telephone call is being made, so. Uh, Frank, who's the sound guy, he's currently okay. in uh, St. Petersburg in Russia. He's oh. been there the last couple of years learning how to do uh, filmmaking. So he actually got a scholarship oh, over. Cool. So, uh, but he started with the po- he started the podcast with me. Uh, we, I was at a at a get together at a friend's place. I said, I'm going to start a podcast, and he said, I'd like to I'd like to help. And I had no idea. He was he'd been a mate of mine for a couple of years. I had no idea what he did. Yeah. I said, so what can you do? He said, Well, I'm a sound engineer. Oh, okay. Well, th- then that'd work. So he's he's the guy responsible for making Very cool. every everything I come up with actually sound cool. at least partly decent. Uh, Elvis, uh, you're gonna be long or because we're doing an interview with microphones. So oh, I'm sorry. no, no, it's okay. Oh, no problem. All right. Okay. If you can, when you finish, if you guys can give us like 20, 30 minutes, yes. thanks. Yeah. So yeah, he um, it, this. 
all of this gear was yeah. actually his recommendation. I said, so what, what, is it that, uh, what is it that I need that um, would get me by? And he said, well, if you get this, you're not going to need anything for ages. So a couple of Sennheisers and a couple of shotgun mics. And then these shotgun mics as well? That's, uh, that's a directional, so you can... Uh, it's either that, so that is interchangeable. That is so cool. Franco, we're talking about the uh, the attachments to the Zoom 6. Is Franco Zoom alive six. right now? No, no, uh, when he, uh, yeah, when he when gets I dump it, him, curious. just so he knows what the hell we're talking Sorry, about. Sorry, one sec. Hello. Hello. Hello, you see, just going on an interview with the Speedy, and so the telephone is so legal. Hey, Carlos, we are talking about okay. a cool car. Uh, okay. A cool car. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Yeah, for so yeah, uh, a lot of, I just picked up all of the stuff that uh, um, he actually used. Uh, so, I mean, if it was good enough for a sound engineer, that was good enough for me. That's but, pretty uh, cool. This thing has... Oh, it looks like a... can put it together into this, put that together, uh, and all of this, and I've got a, effectively a mobile studio that, uh, that I can do five to six interviews with. Cool. The, there's, an, there's another attachment which we actually had passed on the Franco that you can take that off and it uh, extends it to another two points. So instead of actually doing five and one, then it actually does six individual feeds. Each of the, just moving the Zoom 6 around Franco, so each of them has their own levels. Um, you can pause individual. Wow. Uh, That's pretty cool. It does mean that it makes it better for, uh, no worries. It's all good, Alice. Okay. okay. Yeah, right. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah. Okay. Makes it better for um, for the podcast because something's happening. Oh, like I want to cough, then he can actually just dim my track, so he can load each of the tracks up rather than having one audio file that comes through from maybe like a phone or something like that. You've got the one track. You can't really edit it too much. But when there are individual tracks for each of the interviewers, then you can alter the tracks themselves. That's pretty cool. Though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I owe, I owe Franco a lot. So, yeah. so you find your way into a back room and <clears throat> it, it, it stokes the competitive juices. It's like, wow, okay, so these guys are playing exactly what I'm playing. Mm -hmm. right? At the time they were playing Counter-Strike, I wasn't too clued up about okay. Counter-Strike. Um, I think it was like 1.3 at the time. Right. Old, old, old version. <clears throat> so anyone that uh, wants to go and install 1.3 can go and try it out. It's not <laughs> going to be like Global Offensive, I can guarantee you that. Yeah. But uh, the dynamics were much better. Sure. Just saying, just old school. <laughs> um, so that's when it hit me. I want to become like these guys. I want to try and you know have that feeling of I belong to a team. I'm trying to compete. I want to play socially. I want to have a group of people that have the same views as me or interests as me. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the team? <clears throat> um, yeah. So the team was called Cyber Ghost off the Internet Cafe. Sure. And. Uh, you know, that's when I went back home that day and I didn't have a computer back then. Um, uh, for about four or five months after that, uh, begging my dad to get me a PC. Eventually he did. Look, it, it wasn't the best computer ever. Um, uh, I think there was about 200 megabytes of graphic space, whatever you want to call it, on yeah. the graphics card. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we didn't have a lot of money and we couldn't go and afford like, you know, all these massive things that all these other guys were using and everything. Mm -hmm. So I was very happy with what I had, at least to try and play what I could play on it. Um, and eventually we would go back to the internet cafe day after day after day after day. And one of the days, one of the guys who was the son of the owner, the son's name was Ron, um, said to me, bring your computer to the back, come and land with us mm -hmm. for, for a weekend. I was like, okay, shit, but now I don't have a computer. Are they going to lend me a computer? Are they going to charge me? I don't have money to pay for that weekend. I don't mm -hmm. know if I can. And I took my own computer from mm -hmm. home. Um, I was getting about 10 frames per second on Counter-Strike while they were getting like a million frames per second. And I was like, oh, you know what? As long as I'm here and I'm playing with them, it's cool. And every time I would get a kill on one of the mm -hmm. maps, you know, it would feel so good because playing with that lag was shit. It was literally crap. Yeah. Um, Time went by and I would go there every weekend. We would play socially. Um, we'd play a few team scrims. I started learning the ins and outs of the dynamics and uh, got to the point where the guys were like, okay, listen, you know, whenever you need to come here, here's a computer for you. We've got one here for you. Just come and play on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that went on for a while until it got to a stage where they said, okay, do you want to join one of our teams? I was like, wow, you know, that was like the biggest 
most beautiful thing that I could ever hear at the stage. I said, sure. So they put me in the CF. They called it Chaos Factor back then. Mm -hmm. And they put me in the third team. Now, look, I'm not going to say we were great because we weren't. Uh, we went to a competition and out of 30 teams, we came 30th. Um, and I still remember our prize for coming 30th was a tube of loop because we were all wankers in a, in a, in a mm -hmm. humorous way. Sure. Yeah. I didn't care about that, mm -hmm. but, uh, cut the long story short. Over time, I worked my way up to the second team. I worked up my way to the first team. Um, after that, um, I tried to play with a few other people that I met over the community, eventually got a computer on my own, um, you know, and just started building up the ranks in terms of getting from 30th to 10th or 11th or uh, to 9th, 8th, 7th, Were you still playing with the cafe team or were you looking to start doing your own team now? Uh, back then, I was still playing with the cafe team. Mm -hmm. um, two of us brought in another two people that weren't part of the cafe and okay. we started doing all right. We used to go to events called Clan Mayhems that yeah. used to happen in Boxburg and we used to do okay. I mean, it was cool. It was, we, we were there, but we wanted more and more and more. I wanted even more. Um, you know, I would sit in front of my desk at night at home and I would see everything that's going on overseas and everything that's going on in South Africa. And I would say, you know, that player in South Africa, that's who I want to be one day. I didn't even want to be number one, but I wanted to be that player. You sure. know? Um, obviously, the more you achieve, the more you want. So I think I got to the stage eventually after a few teams, Damage Control, Identity, Chaos Factor, X-Crew, Father One, and the list goes on. Uh, then uh, in 2005, because um, now this ambition never stopped for me. I was mm -hmm. like... I'm going to win a tournament in South Africa. It's going to happen. Once I put my mind to it, I'm not going to let go of it. In 2005, in the beginning of 2005, or it was the end of 2004, um, some of the old damage control guys um, who still play, which is Insan, it's Apocalypse, it's um, Explicit, alongside Romus, and um, I'm missing one person. Why am I missing one person? No, I he'll let you know. No, this is bad though because he'll I don't let want. You know. No, he'll let me know, but this is bad though. So it was instant apocalypse, Ramus, explicit, and me. There we go. And we formed. You team. were the guy you forgot about. Yeah, yeah, I was actually. <laughs> Good point. We formed a team called Identity um, mm -hmm. after they invited me to play with them. Now I was like, okay, holy shit, this is massive. Mm -hmm. These are the, some of the best players in South Africa. Yeah. Um, they've come first and second multiple times. Um, that's when I burst out into tears, jokes aside, and I was like, okay, next goal achieved. Um, we practiced. Our first event together was the World Cyber Games in 2005. Mm -hmm. um, back then it was hosted by an event called Arena 77, uh, run by Len, uh, Len Neri. And um, we went through the qualifiers and played the finals, which happened at Eastgate Shopping Center. Um, that's when we actually won the tournament and we actually won flights and entry to go to the World Cyber Games in Singapore. But I was in matric, so I had matric exams. Now, I knew if we won, I, I would have to stay here for matric, but I didn't care about that. To me, it was like, okay, let me just get to the next step of trying to get into the best team, showing that I can win a tournament. Yeah. Right. That's when they replaced me. Well, not replaced me. They used someone as a substitute. Mm -hmm. They took him to Singapore. I wrote my matric exams. And then the big tournament came at the end of the year, which was the Rage Expo 2005 as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were up against a team called Evolve. Some of the players mm -hmm. still play today. Actually, the players I played with now play with the players from Evolve, which is Stahl and Hellhound. Um, and uh, again, cut the long story short, we went to Rage. We won Rage. Um, it was the biggest event in terms of prize pool and, P and hardware and prizes at the time. Mm -hmm. We had won 50,000 Rand for the team and we had won five computers, one computer for each person. Wow. Yeah. That's when I sat on the stage and uh, just before prize giving, uh, you know, I looked at the guys to my left, to my right, and I said to the guys, guys, I... I need to leave, okay? The guys that helped me get you, my brother, a few other people, I need to go back. Um, 
I want to do something else. I want to help them. I want to try and take it to another level. Um, not that you guys aren't trying to, but I think my mindset of what I want is a little bit different to what they wanted at that time. At that time, I want to start a team, my own team, a team that I can mold into what I can create for them in the future. Um, and it's, it's no offense to anyone. It's just uh, I had to go back and just make those things happen to, to the players that I wanted to help out, sure. which included my brother as well. That's when, in the beginning of 2006, my brother and I and a few other players, we started Bravado. Okay? Bravado, the Counter-Strike team. Bravado, the Counter-Strike team, wasn't the best team in South Africa at the moment. But uh, as time went by through our 2006, 2007, 2008, we slowly but surely worked our way up, made a few lineup changes. And before we knew it, we were winning event after event after event. And again, it just wasn't enough for me. Um, now, I saw this whole new concept of a thing called an MGO, a multi-gaming organization. And that's when my brother and I sat down and we brought in um, a partner at the time who did all our design. And we decided, you know what, let's try and turn this organization into a brand. Mm -hmm. Well, it wasn't an organization yet, but it started getting to that way because we had just brought in a Call of Duty 4 team mm -hmm. back then. So the following started upping, the interest started upping, um, parents started getting involved and seeing that this was really cool. No one knew that now you can go and play for $24 million overseas. Yeah. But, uh, money, money has a way of Yeah, money does. <laughs> and, um, then we started Bravado Gaming, PDY LTD. Um, what year was that? I think that was in 2010, 2010. Yeah, that was 2010. I think we started the actual, the multi-gaming organization brand much earlier than that, but we only registered the company around 2010, 11, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, a five-year journey then? Yeah. I mean, like ups and downs, competing through events. I mean, I was a player. I was calling for my team at the time for Counter-Strike. So I was very competitive. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was looking after the brand. So winning and looking after the brand was very, very difficult. What were the things that Bravado <laughs> was doing? What did Bravado do differently in those five years that other teams won? So look, like a lot of people have asked me, why have a lot of organizations come and go? And you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be straight up right sure. here. Um, purely transparent, purely honest. And I'm going to say, if someone wants to try and start a gaming organization in South Africa, just because of my experience, I'd probably tell them not to unless they have the right mindset mm -hmm. and they have the right personality and they can handle the pressure, all the challenges that come with it, if they have the finances, so on and so forth, because it's not easy. Right. And I say that because throughout those years, it was very important to make sure that the players were happy with the organization. Um, it's one, one of my main principles, um, you know, bravado stood the test of time and whatever the case may have been with organizations that have come and gone, I, I don't know. But what I can tell you is that I've tried to look after the players as much as I can. Um, I've tried to create this transition of just a social gamer into a competitive athlete, mm -hmm. you know, a superstar. Um, a level so, of professionalism. Sorry. A level of professionalism. Absolutely. Because back then people were like, you know, you're just playing games. I'm like, it's not just games, you know, mm -hmm. go have a look what's going on overseas. And that's when the journey of, you know, letting South Africa know what's going on overseas started. Mm -hmm. So looking after the players was my main priority. The hardest part out of everything is the lending of money, the, the finding of money, the mm -hmm. repayment of money to make sure that you can get players to where they need to be. Look, um, where we were back then to where we are now are two different stories. Um, it was very difficult back then to find a flight to get a player to an event. Sure. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it was all about the players. The players needed to be happy. And when the players are happy, you know, South Africa sees the seriousness of what a gaming organization is. That it's professional, these guys are traveling to play, um, these guys are winning some cool prize money. Um, and that's the image I wanted to instill mm -hmm. of that professionalism, that, you know, that brand that, you know, if you want to be part of Bravado, like you got to work your way to get into Bravado. Yeah. And the reason I say all of this is because I literally came from absolutely nothing um, without a computer. Don't look at some of our players now that come in and get hotels, travels, accommodations, going overseas, yeah. getting a gaming house, getting massive sponsorships. You know, it wasn't like that that's for me at all. all. You know, who were your biggest, uh, you, you talked about looking at what was happening overseas. Yeah. You've decided that you wanted to take the 
the organization to a level of professionalism, guys. This is this is what we can be. This is what we want to do. Sure. Who did you look to for inspiration from uh, an overseas perspective? SK Gaming at the time was my inspiration. Not the SK Gaming that exists now, mm-hmm. but the old SK Gaming. Yeah. You know, the Heatons, the Potties, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, a few other teams as well. Big inspiration. I saw how cool these guys were and I saw what was going overseas. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we need to try and replicate this in South Africa. That's when I got involved in three levels of, or being three different types of people. The one person being running Bravado Gaming, the other person being making sure that my team wins, and the other person being helping South Africa at the same time get to that level and trying to somehow synergize all those three um, perspectives or elements, if you want to call them, into one big solution. Mm. I can tell you now, um, I love South Africa. But for esports at the time, we were born on the wrong continent. It was a challenge of note. You know, very, very difficult. And it still is. We're still growing. We're still getting there. Um, but uh, my end goal was to get this Bravado Gaming brand of lifestyle, of athleticism in competitive computer gaming to be seen the way it's seen overseas. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, since then, we've been working on making sure that the brand can push into new parts of exposure, you know, the mass media that we've been featured on. I always try and explain the key points. Um, we've been on multiple radio stations, televisions. I mean, CNBC, NCA, some of the few, Sky Sports. We helped Jinx TV open up their, their um, eSports channel. Mm-hmm. Um, magazines, Forbes Africa, you know, the media started coming to the party and we started telling our story. And it's great because I think the growth that we've seen in the last two years as a community has been a thousand times more than what we've seen in the last 20 years. Um, and again, I say that the industry is growing, the interest is growing, the investment is growing, but we are still far behind um, the international scene. Um, yeah. When you say uh, athleticism, sure. somebody might say, well, yeah, it's really just you need to have a good strong wrist. I guess. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Yeah, how, how do you dispel the idea that a gamer is not an athlete? A gamer is an athlete mm-hmm. because you're not sitting in your home. There's a big difference between social and competitive gaming. Mm-hmm. When it comes to competitive gaming, you need to look at the external elements that aid into your performance, into the way you play, into the way you live. So for all the parents out there, being a professional esport athlete requires a lot of balance. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys train, the guys eat healthy, the guys have sports nutritionists, the guys have coaches, um, the guys exercise because it's all important to what you can portray in the game. It's not just about being brain dead, being an addict and just playing as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, so many times I try and express that to a lot of younger gamers because they think that the more you play, the better you become. I'll tell you now, that's absolutely bullshit. Um, that is wrong. And everyone who's listening to this, firsthand, you hearing it from me, it's wrong. Um, it's not how much you practice, it's how you practice. Mm-hmm. You know, It's the quality of time you put in. Mm-hmm. What you're achieving in 20 hours on the computer, you can achieve in two hours. But at the same time, add balance to your life. Get your exercise. Your exercise will help you think clearly in the game. There's a lot of calculations that go in the game there's a lot of coordination there's a lot of analysis and at the end of the day you need a clear mind healthy body healthy mind Mm -hmm. to make sure that you can perform at those levels Um, and that's why i say eating is very important sleeping is very important i mean when the guys travel overseas you know sleep is a major factor Mm -hmm. and it's very difficult to um to maintain that because of the time zones Mm -hmm. you know it got to a stage where last year in los angeles when we went to go compete in the esca and wsg in china we would leave from South Africa, go to France, have a massive layover in France. From France, we would go straight to Los Angeles, which was nine hours ahead, land in LA, play the next day. Guys couldn't even sleep. I mean, as far as I understand, like mm-hmm. because of all the jet lag, play the next day. The day after you finish playing, you get into a plane to China, which was, I think it was like 15, no, it was like 13, 13 hours straight flight trip go to Shanghai, 13 hours, and on top of that, you're going 16 hours into time. 
So guys, sleep is very, very important. You know, mm-hmm. it's very important that people know that there's good balance between everything to make you a good esports athlete. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, coming back to the point, um, you know, it got to the stage where right now we want to make this big. Um, that's when our partners, Alienware and Intel, came on board. Um, we explained the situation. We explained short term, long term, um, and. They were very happy to support us. And we've been with them for the last four years. And if I can see how the relationship has evolved, it's been, it's been great. We, from giving us something and helping us to seeing what we can do. And then now helping us to build all these other ventures, which we'll talk, talk about later has been awesome. Not only are they, you know, the best gaming PC brand in the world with great Intel CPU processors that can't be beaten, but they're also looking out for that. Let's build esports together. Mm-hmm. Um, If I could, one of the things I like to do when we're speaking to people who do cool things is to help dissuade people who might be listening of certain myths. So one of them, athleticism, that you need to be fit. Uh, It's it's an interesting point you point out to people that uh, you rarely find an obese professional gamer. 100%. It, It doesn't work like that. They're actually really, if you go look at some of our players even, you'll see how they train, they gym, they've been training for a long time, they are ripped. You go look at some of those international players, mm-hmm. go look at Pasha Barsets from Virtus Pro, go look at Freakazoid who used to play in Cloud9. Mm-hmm. These guys are built guys who train on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The relationship with Alienware sure. and with Intel, a lot of people coming into this, well, there are sponsorships all on the ground. I'm just going to pick up a sponsorship and I'm going to get some money and I'm going to get product and I'm going to move forward like that. Wrong. The how, yeah, let's, let's dissuade a certain, uh, con- uh, conception that there might be that, uh, yeah, we're just going to, yeah, we're just going to pick up, um, money sponsorship and product and give it to us and that's it. No. It doesn't work like that. It absolutely does not work like that. Mm-hmm. And every time someone tries to start an NGO and they ask me for advice, the first thing I'm going to tell them is, guys, product is secondary to money. Yep. You cannot run a team and organize it. This is an expensive sport. Mm-hmm. If you want to take it seriously or if you have 10% seriousness in you into making a team and trying to do well with the team, mm-hmm. money comes first. Sure. Because without the cash, you can't get to your events. You can't get accommodated. You can't do boot camps. You can't... I mean, if you really want me to get into like a much deeper, deeper requirement list, you can't get a gaming house. You can't travel overseas mm-hmm. to learn more, to play more. How many competitive events would Bravado go to in overseas in a given year? Well, it varies. So some years there would be one, some years there would be three, some mm-hmm. years there would be two. On average, I'd say there would be about three or four, um, just judging over the last four or five years. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, not, it's just not enough for us as a community to, mm-hmm. to go overseas and to go there for three or four days. Right. And a lot of people are like, why? Because I'm going to explain to you what the difference is of playing in an environment where you're always playing in and playing in a different environment and then trying to move into another environment for three or four days. Right. So when you get used to the way people play in South Africa, um, you always have a set mentality. Now, for you to play against a South African or a South African team who hasn't played against an international team and then go overseas and play an international team, what you see on television is not what it's like. When you're in game, it's another world inside there, another, another world in there. So you need to be in an environment where you can have consistent practice, be prone to that kind of um, availability in order to not even just increase different types of skills, True. but to maintain that skill. That's the most important thing. In South Africa, you might be able to only perform not only, but you might be able to perform nine out of 10 times only because of the environment you live in, the people you've played against, people you know, so on and so forth. You take that and go to the USA and that changes to, you know, we can only play at our peak two out of the 10 times and that's just not good enough Mm -hmm. because now you need to go overseas and hope that those two out of the 10 times pop up. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that doesn't happen is because you haven't been overseas for a while to get, to adjust, to to create that maintaining of that skill level. Mm Um, and for the people who don't know, the, the problem is you can't really play from South Africa against international teams because our internet just not pro- does not provide for it. Um, we're just too far away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not so much speed, it's purely distance. 
Exactly. A lot of people have the misinterpretation that, especially much older generations, but you've got a hundred megabyte fiber line. It's not about the speed. Yeah. It's the location. It's the distance. That is the problem. Mm. And the distance creates a high ping and gives you a massive, 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 massive disadvantage. There's no ways you can do it. Um, so I try and express that to everyone who asks me that question all the time. So then we ask ourselves, <laughs> sorry. That's right. Uh, what, what do we actually do to fix that problem? Well, either you change the physics of law, which is impossible. <laughs> Or as a community, we try and host more events here for international qualifiers so we can go overseas more often, or we bring teams here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't happen regularly. Um, so then eventually the only choice that you have is to go overseas for two, three months, come back to South Africa, go overseas for two, three months, come back to South Africa and continuously dip and dive between those scenes. Mm -hmm. If you really want to get prone to that whole or get uh, or see that entire scene and try and get used to it and try and make yourself like the way they are. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it. I can't, if there's a better solution, please let me know. Like, well, well, I guess that the yeah. next step is Bravado has been incredibly successful locally, performed well overseas. Yes. But in order to, like you're saying, if you're playing the same people all the time, you're experiencing the same tactics all the time and you need to break out into new ways of thinking. Sure then you need to be a bit more immersed in the international scene. So what's Bravado doing? Okay, before I get to that, um, the reason I retired in 2014, okay, we went to DreamHack in Sweden mm -hmm. um, and we played against Fnatic, the first game, which was the best team in the world mm -hmm. at the time. And then a couple of other teams after that. That's when I realized, holy shit, like... You need to put time into this, you need to put effort, you need to put, you need to, when I say time, you need to make it a thing for you, you know, mm -hmm. with the balance. And, and I didn't think I had that in me. I couldn't because I was running Bravado Gaming at the same time. Um, so I sat down and th thought to myself, well, I need to do one of two things. Either I want to try and become a professional esports athlete overseas, or I should run Bravado Gaming, the brand, the business, the organization. That's when I decided the passion is running Bravado Gaming, the brand, the business, and the organization. And that's when I retired. And um, since then, my goals had changed for us, for the team, for South Africa. And explaining this whole international thing is exactly coming back to what you said. How do you get to it? And the next level for us is to, you know, when we're in South Africa, we're, we have won a lot of events, sure. Um, but then you get into a mind frame of playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Now there's a big difference. And when you go into an event with that mind frame, you're gonna lose eventually. I mean, you know, and big ups to, to, to the team who beat us at the ESL Africa event, Energy Esports, who played a fantastic game. But you know what, at the end of the day, this game is a lot about mindset. In order to change that mindset, either you need more competition or you need to go a place that has more competition. And that's where the big reveal comes in. Sure. Um, after working with Alienware and Intel for a year, um, we secured a meta ambassadorship. So what does that mean? We are now the official, we are the ambassadors of the Alienware meta region. That's Middle East, Turkey, and Africa. So what Middle East, Turkey, and Africa have done, they've come together to support a team who comes from that region to help us try and achieve these goals that we have in the future on the international scene. Um, for about a year, up and down, um, tons of meetings, um, meeting people Corporate from Dubai. Yeah. always meetings. No, for sure. <laughs> meeting people from Dubai, meeting people from Turkey, um, in real life and on Skype. Um, we made it happen. Uh, Intel and Alien, we have made it happen for us. Um, we are going to be moving to the United States of America with our Counter-Strike Global Offensive team. Okay. Um, so that might be a little bit of a shock to a lot of people mm -hmm. and they might think, but why the hell are you leaving South Africa? And that's not what we're trying to do. We're going to dip and dive between the scenes. Mm -hmm. So the Brazilians did this about two years ago who are now SK Gaming as well. The Brazilian community was big as well and was growing. But again, it was about four or five years behind the international scene. Sure. Cut the long story short, the Brazilians get this funding. They go to North America. They do really well. And now Brazil is thriving in esports. 
you know? So I don't know. So, the, a, so a, the Brazilian SK gaming team became an inspiration back home. Absolutely. And it led to, uh, investments, um, competitions, qualifiers. So this whole project that we're trying to achieve is not just about me. Okay. Sure. It's, it, it plays a huge part in me because, you know, I want to get to a level where there's no level to get beyond that, mm-hmm. you know? And once I put my mind to it, I really want to achieve it and I try my best to do it. Um, failure is not an option. Although sometimes you need to fail to learn, which I understand. And I, you know, at times I am a very sore loser. Um, but that's just because of my passion. Sure. Um, so, you know, going to the United States, and trying to do all of this, it's not just for me, as I mentioned previously, it's, it's for the players. It's for Bravado Gaming as well, for sure. But it's also simultaneously to expose the meta and the South African region scene mm-hmm. to show there are gamers here. We have tech. We have skills. Look at us. Bring in more qualifiers. Bring in more investments. Guys, it's time. Africa is thriving, you know. And the most important thing that we want to portray as a simultaneous contribution between those three different aspects that I mentioned previously is to tell a story to the world. True. Okay. Let's tell an effing story to the world. That's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so the guys will be going over, dipping and diving between the scenes. They'll be coming back to South Africa for any major tournaments that they need to attend. But while they're there, they will be playing in the ESCA season 27 main league. Now, before all of this, was confirmed on all of this. <laughs> um, we had an agreement with ESCA where um, they told us, okay, Andreas, if you guys can win the season 26, which just finished recently in South mm-hmm. Africa, mm-hmm. we'll give you guys an auto berth into season 27 main league. Wow. Now, look, main league might not be the best league. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another two leagues on top of that. The next one is the MDL league, and the league mm-hmm. after that is the ESL Pro League. Sure. I want us to get into that goddamn ESL Pro League. Mm-hmm. And we are going to get into that ESL Pro League one way or another. We are going to make it happen. Um, so yeah, the guys will start their journey off in ESCA season 27. Um, the guys are set to depart in early February. Mm-hmm. Um, as it stands, the guys will be staying in Phoenix in Arizona. The reason we did Phoenix in Arizona is because Los Angeles was a little, quite expensive yeah. to stay. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, the pricing there is on another mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we need to be close enough to Los Angeles because a lot of the action happens there as well. Right. So Phoenix is literally from here to Durban, from Johannesburg to Durban, which mm-hmm. is about a 45 minute, 30 minute flight. Um, and yeah, I mean, the guys are going to go through. We're going to play in a multiple variety of qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of DreamHack qualifiers there. There's a lot of ESL event qualifiers that happen there. Mm-hmm. It's not just about the leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of other events that happen within the States yeah. with their own LAN events. To and, put, that, uh, to put yeah. that into perspective, in South Africa, uh, taken from Jan 1 to end of December, how many tournaments just in South Africa would Bravado play in from a, from a CSGO point of view? Look, you can split that up into two things. Do you want to attend tournaments that are really small? I mean, is, you know, is it going to help you with anything? Is it going to help you? I mean, you know, it costs a lot of money. If someone's hosting a tournament in Cape Town and we have to fly five people to Cape Town um, and spend accommodation and flights and spend 30,000, 40,000 rand mm-hmm. for an event that's not going to be that big, it's not going to be worth it. So sure. look, there's a lot of events that go on. But Bravado itself competes in about... I'd say major events in South Africa per year. I'd say it'd be about five offline events and about six, seven online events. Okay. Um, and that comes through a multiple... Um, can we pause one sec? Okay. Sure, Frank, so, we're just pausing there. I think so, that's the guy. Andres has got a phone. Hello. Welcome through. Hi. Hi, good in yourself. Good, Peter. I think it's my brother. Um, Peter, I'm in an interview at the moment. Um, can, can you call my brother? Cause I think he's got my tabello with him. What? Let me try. Let me try call him quickly, Peter. Okay. Chava. Yeah, no worries. Sorry. Just, no, no, that's fine. It's, um, these security guards, they need to do one more polygraph on one of our domestic oh, right. workers. Okay. Uh, and all the polygraphs have come up okay. 
Well, I'll tell you now. Okay. Yeah, Peter's trying to call you, Demi. I think he's trying to call the back. Call Peter, please. Okay, just hold on the phone, because... Okay, it's 079-763-2000. Um, 8224. Alright, call him now. Thanks, Chandler. Um, yeah, some red flags here and there, but mm. they can't say that it's related to this. They don't gotcha. know. So they're trying to do everything before they try and come to a conclusion. But again, sure. I mean, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you know that, you know, polygraphs, they're not 100% accurate. No, I know how to get past them. Yeah, they're, they're just an indication. I mean, yeah. like, when a woman came to me and said, okay, we did your one lady. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, yeah, there's some red flags, there's something's going on, maybe she's related to it. But has she ever stolen like any small things from the house? I'm like, yes, she has. And she's admitted it. Mm-hmm. So she says, oh, it could be because of that. So you see, it's quite so a- It could be a bit of guilt for something yeah, else. Right? Yeah. Cool. Sorry. That's right. We were talking uh, yeah. the number of events here. Now, you relocate to the States. You're sure. going to have access to LA thinking about the number of event qualifiers then that you would then have access to you mentioned wow. ESL events dream hack events wow. those are just like the very few of the lots let's just put it this way mm-hmm. the guys will never be short of any leagues or event mm-hmm. qualifiers every week will this mean how many hours competing will that translate to per week as opposed to practice, because the practice is different. When they're competing right now, actual competition hours in South Africa in 2017, what's it going to be like from competition hours standpoint in 2018? So when you're attending an event and playing at an event, yeah. um, I mean, the qualifiers go for about two days. Mm-hmm. So you're playing about 10 hours per day right. for a qualifier. Um, if you make the cuts into the playoffs, mm-hmm. into the main events, then you're looking at an average of four to five day events, mm-hmm. which go on about... Not that long, actually, um, much shorter because it's kind of like get there, play. If you lose your out, if you win, you go through, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it can go anywhere from one hour to five hours, six hours a day. Yeah. Um, depending on who you play, the format of everything, um, and uh, the, the nature of the events. And we're talking a few six to seven uh, online events, 10 offline events, so 16 events in the course of South Africa. Yeah. But that's going to explode in the US. Well, sure. I mean, it's on another level there. You know, recently I had spoken to one of the tier one team players who actually helped us get to into the league with a lot of motivation mm-hmm. as well. And um, he mentioned to us, you know, Andreas, you guys have a problem where you don't have um, exposure and teams entering leagues there mm-hmm. but we also have a problem our problem is we have too many teams and players all right we can't cater for all of them there's just way too many teams i think just the esca league has i might be mistaken i think it's two thousand two and a half thousand teams who enter throughout the whole leagues in south africa you'll get about 30 or 40 you know two and a half thousand teams, teams. per league teams yeah so if you look at through the, all the esca leagues you'll and have that's just north america that's just north america it's just on another level. Wow. And that's why the investment has exploded there. Um, that's why the whole hoo-ha about esports is going nuts. You know, you've got the NFL that are buying teams. You've got the NBA that are buying teams. You've got other sports teams that are buying teams. You have celebrities who have invested in teams. You've got Steve Aoki, the DJ, who's yeah. got his own team. Yeah. Um, you've got Jennifer Lopez, who just invested into another team. Jennifer Lopez just invested. Yeah, oh. Jennifer Lopez invested. We're jumping the shark now. Just. You know, so people are starting to understand that um, we live in a digital age and traditional sport mm-hmm. is actually moving from the field onto digital. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who are confused, you know, it, it's not like you just get together and play games at a competition. Yeah. The same ecosystems apply. Um, the same ecosystems apply to any traditional sports, the, just on a digital basis. So instead of playing tennis or soccer or football on the field, you're playing a game on the computer, but again, in front of thousands of people 30 40 thousands of people in a stadium um you've got another two three four five excuse me two three four five million people watching all of this through television through Mm -hmm. streaming services i mean there's so many dedicated gaming services and tv stations overseas it's a thing now people 
over there have kind of accepted that, you know, this is where the future lies mm. and this is what it is. And, you know, I think I might be mistaken, but there was a statistic that was put up, I think between the ages of 18 and 24 or 18 and 25 in the USA, there's more guys in those ages and girls watching esports and watching NFL or NBA, something like that. Mm. So that just shows you that the transition is happening very, very quickly. Yeah. And that's why esports is the fastest growing sport or category of sports in the world is because of this. Part of the, a, a lot of the things that you've mentioned have been sure. to try and get people who are not esports savvy to understand what it is. And oh, that's, man. It's, it's something that has to happen as, oh, as it gets through. What I tend to find is the, the avenues of credibility, like what makes something credible? Well, the money when the international's dropping 24 bar yeah. on, on prize money. But then to try and relate to the physical... Doll, million dollars, eh? Yes. Not friends. So the, peop yeah. uh, so the people can understand 24, that. 24 million bar dollars. USD. USD. <laughs> the, and we were talking about the, the, athletic, the athletic aspect. Yeah. One of the examples that's a really good illustration is like the StarCraft players. Sure. The sheer number of keyboard shortcut combinations per minute. It's insane. And then you've got to keep that up for an hour or possibly two because the person you're playing could be just as good as you so it's got to require the focus the accuracy etc getting that refinement of skill how many hours a day dedicated should a player be focusing on and when you're talking about getting people together for boot camps sure when a team comes together on a boot camp how many hours a day are they spending on focused practice training. On the computer. Yeah. Five to eight hours a day. Five but to eight. That mm -hmm. is when they're, when it's crunch time, just mm -hmm. days before a competition or yeah. whatever the case might be. Before that, they'll put in about four hours, five hours, mm -hmm. but the other four hours will be individual practice, analysis, sure. reviewing demos, statistics, um, looking after themselves, training, mm -hmm. exercising, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, the hours of play time actually change a day before the comp comparison to a month before the competition. Sure. There's just different pr methods of practicing. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people will be like, but why? Why all of this? And I'll tell you that why. Because there are so dy many dynamics in these games that you require a number of skills to thrive in them. They're, you don't literally get into a game and just shoot people up. It's, right. it's not like that. Yeah. There's coordination, there's communication, there's angling, there's strategies, there's... Um, One of the things I picked up at, yeah. watching uh, at uh, at Rage, yeah, the the precision with which you need to angle a smoke grenade off a particular part of the wall, I wouldn't have thought about that. And then the okay, if I'm standing here, I can jump off my uh, my friend up onto the wall to get a position of it. That's the sort of thing you don't you don't get in casual play. No, you don't. And those are the absolute basics. Mm -hmm. Now, if I want to go into many more in-depth things, we're talking about ghost runs. Yeah. People running a strategy with the smokes, with the grenades, with the flashes happening at the same time while someone is breaching, while someone is saying this is happening, while you got looking at your radar, while you have to try and make the right move based on what the other person is doing. Right. It just gets really, really, really complicated. Um, and yeah, I mean... I advise anyone to go and look into esports. Go look into how the dynamics of Counter-Strike Global Offensive work. Yeah. Call of Duty, Dota 2, League of Legends, Overwatch. Um, FIFA is quite understandable. People will understand how FIFA works. Yeah. But uh, the dynamics that exist are much more than what the general public might think that they are. Um, it is not just getting into a game and playing. There is many more dynamics going on at once than mm -hmm. what you would find in a traditional sports. And you have to be good at all of those mm -hmm. dynamics. Recognizing then that the team needs to work together. Yes. Yes, we do have internet speeds capable of people just playing online and teaming up. Sure. But it, you, can't, you can't underestimate having five players sitting in the same room practicing. So I guess... That probably leads to the topic of where we're currently sitting. Yeah. Andreas, where are we sitting? We are sitting where people need to start realizing that just like any other form of work or business, mm -hmm. it's much easier to be in the presence of someone else mm -hmm. so that you can physically show them this is what we need to do and this is how we need to do it. 
when you're doing it virtually, it's very difficult. And mm -hmm. I've experienced this with working with a lot of freelancers from overseas. It's very, very difficult. Same principles apply. People need to be at the stage where, okay, is the team serious? Let's meet up. Mm -hmm. Let's get a drawn overview on a big ass whiteboard and actually physically pinpoint our strategies on there. Then take what you've done together in person and try and replicate it into an online environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, it's the way you practice and the way you do things. You definitely have to meet up with your team very, very often. Sure. Um, it's not even about just the strategy aspect. It's also about the bonding sessions, the mm -hmm. understanding. You know, like any team sport, there's people fight, people get angry, people get emotional. Um, the number of emotions that go into esports are unlimited. It's crazy, mm -hmm. man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for us, we, we've had our players go to sports psychologists um, because it's very important, you know, mm -hmm. when the team needs to try and get on, when the team needs to try and figure out problems when there's challenges. Mm -hmm. um, so to conclude, I mean, we're in a situation where people need to understand that it's just like any other sport in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be just as good as players that are, exist over the world, you can't just do it by doing it online. Mm -hmm. um, you need to put in those practice elements of being together and you know, printing out a massive overview of a map, sitting down, sitting in front of a TV and analyzing a demo mm -hmm. or a replay of your competitors right. is different to doing it together online. You know, you can pause, you can mm -hmm. go to the TV, you can show, you can be like, hey, Andreas, you did this wrong. I think you need to do this and that. Bounce ideas off people. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to do that online, you kind of need to, you kind of need to be like, hey, hold on, just, just pause it over there. Are, are you on the same time? It doesn't work like that. So how, is, how what is Bravado then doing in relation to encouraging their teams? Because it's an MGO. Yes. So there are multiple teams. You've got, uh, you've got a Dota team, COD team, Cisco. What is Bravado? And FIFA doing? recently. And FIFA. Yeah. yeah. Uh, congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. So what is Bravado now doing to encourage that bootcamp position? Okay. Mm -hmm. Bravado is trying to do as much as Bravado can do. Mm -hmm. Andreas is trying to do as much as Andreas can do. Sure. But the biggest problem that lies in our country mm -hmm. is the communication and education factor, right? right? There is such a massive gap, mm -hmm. a huge, huge broken line between people who don't know what esports are, people yeah. who play social games, mm -hmm. and then esports athletes, sure. all right? Um, what we need to do is we need to communicate these things onto mass television. We need to get more people involved in the media industry, mm -hmm. not only to, you know, put something on TV and be like, hey, look, I'm showing you Counter-Strike, mm -hmm. but more of what's going on behind the scenes so that people understand what this is all about, you know? And time and time again, you know, I've said to people, leave the in-game stuff. If you're gonna do a 30-minute episode, maybe put two minutes of in-game stuff in that 30-minute episode. People don't know what's going on in-game. Yeah. And secondly, they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So show the lifestyle aspect of it. Yes. Because as soon as you show, show that lifestyle aspect of it, the things they do, the way they do, the motions, the talking, the mm -hmm. looking, the listening, um, then people start to realize that, okay, whoa, it, this is just more than just entering a game. Yeah. And when people slowly start getting educated, then your art count starts going up because the best form of marketing mm -hmm. is person to person marketing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so all you need to do is get the right idea and the right understanding to one person who never had it mm -hmm. and understood it, and he'll tell two people, and those two people will tell two people, and slowly but surely will snowball effect like mm -hmm. that. And before we know it, we'll break that broken line of discontinuity sure. between people who don't know esports and people who know esports. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, right. you have more investments, more investment, more teams, more money, more opportunities more ways to prove yourself, mm. and then you have more people entering the market to give you more um, events, more mm. qualifiers. Um, you know, it's happened so many times where people are like, South Africa, is that in the South of Africa? Yeah. You know? Is it um, actually an even a country? Yeah. Exactly. So I think the only way we're going to do this is um, educating the market through different media platforms, but more than that, putting the right kind of media. Sure. Um, playing a game or a replayer isn't going to help anyone. Now, if someone doesn't know what Dota 2 is about and you're going to put up a Dota 2 stream of an event that's going on, you know, the, the lady who might be 40 or 50 or 60 years old might look at this and be like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. It looks cool, yeah, but that's it. Yeah. Switched off and never back onto it. 
Now, if you have someone explaining what's going on or you have the in behind scenes of people talking, seeing, doing, experiencing and the emotions of it, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want to see what's going to happen next. Sure. And I think that's what we need to bridge. And that's the story that you're talking about. Tom. And that's the story we're talking about. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we want to try and produce as much content as we can um, with all our behind the scenes um, initiatives. Mm -hmm. um, that includes the gaming house. That includes the guys going to the United States of America. Well, the gaming house is the uh, is the final thing. That yeah, the gaming house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where, where are we actually right now, Andres? So, yeah, we're at uh, the Bravado Gaming House. Mm -hmm. It's quite empty now, but... Uh, We'll be filling it up in the course of the next two weeks. Um, the house is basically going to serve um, home to our players when they need to practice, mm -hmm. when they need to go to events. Um, and I think that's very important because if you don't have a facility or a place where people can come to regularly or whenever they need to come to, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to try and get to that next level. So again, on behalf of Insult and Alienware, you know, helping us get this gaming house was mm -hmm. a massive thank you. Um, I mean, I can sit here and express and express and express, um, but uh, yeah, you know, having this facility is just so, it's almost a base, it's a foundation, it's where everything starts off from, you know, if we need someone like you, Les, that needs to come and meet all the players, the mm -hmm. house, at least we have a place for you to come, True. get some insights, get some interviews, get some content, whatever it is, mm -hmm. use that content, spread the word. Um, so yeah, that's one of the reasons we did this house and, um, more importantly, um, I want, I, I mean, this isn't a normal gaming house as you can see, yeah. um, you know, indoor swimming pool yeah, I see so. yeah. <laughs> and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But the reason that we went with something like this as well is that we want to show the rest of South Africa that look at this, you know, we're mm -hmm. athletes. Yeah. This is what we play in. This is how we get treated. You know, I don't want to come across as I'm trying to show off, sure. but I'm trying to use the show off element in order to make people understand and realize mm -hmm. that it's not a joke. Right. It's not a two, three bedroom, four walled house mm -hmm. where you're squishing in X amount of people. It's a massive mansion with an indoor swimming pool where the players are going to be treated like superstars. Mm -hmm. And that's what people need to understand that esports athletes are super sport, uh, stars. They're sportsmen. They... They can make a lot of money. It's yeah. the fastest growing sport. And that's the message we need to get across to South Africa. And you're giving them the opportunity to hone skills. You're giving them the support that they need to perform at their best. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people think that it's all about product at the end of the day. And it's mm. not. It's about these kind of things we're talking about right sure. now. Um, you know, product isn't going to help you get a house. Yeah. Um, and that's what I try and explain to a lot of NGOs or gaming organizations and players even. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone comes up to me and says... Um, even in the past, oh, you're sponsored by so-and-so. Oh, do they give you this? I'm like, it's not about that. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, they supply us with the greatest and the best, you yeah. know, but it's not about that. It's That's not it. the product. It's about the resources that will help you get to the next level. And, you know, those resources include flights, locally mm -hmm. and internationally, accommodations, yeah. player allowances, gaming homes. Mm -hmm. um, it's not cheap. Yeah. It's an expensive sport. And, you know, unfortunately, we are in an ecosystem where, sorry, that was the wrong word. We have the demographic disadvantage of where a lot of people can't afford 20, 30, 40,000 rand computers. Yeah. But there is PlayStation, which is cheaper. Whatever the case might be, esports mm -hmm. is a broad term. It can either be on console or it can be on PC. Yeah. And people, I don't, the reason I say that is because I don't want people to get put off about um, esports just having the mentality of just being on PC. Because um, a lot of people can't afford 30, 40,000 Rand PCs. They can't afford 100 megabyte fiber internet, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people can afford consoles. And or even just have a friend that's got one. Even just have a friend that's got a console. Or even mobile gaming is getting big, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's up to the individual to do their research. When it comes mm -hmm. to esports, you've got mobile, console, and PC. Yeah. Sure, console and PC being the biggest coming to within the competitive sector and obviously with mobile gaming being more big in the social sector. Yeah. But esports is esports and um, it's a thing, it's big, it's hot um, and uh, Bravado Gaming is trying to make all of this happen um, in partnership with Alienware and Intel to mm. show the rest of the world, to show the story, to help us, to help our players and to help the, the regions as well. Andres, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Only a pleasure, I really do appreciate it, and uh, 
I wish the guys the best of luck in their initiatives over in the US. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the roof wedding of the uh, the gaming house. Oh uh, yeah, the launch will be soon. Um, we'll be doing a launch hopefully in the next one month. Um, so that'll include a really nice video, sure. which will actually give you a rundown. You know, mm -hmm. you know, one of those uh, what was those things on interview called pads, something. Pump my pad, no. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. we want to do something similar. Gotcha. You know, get someone inside, come check all the different areas, all the different compartments, see what sure. the guys are doing, see how the guys get treated, mm -hmm. and pump that out. And hopefully, that can go viral and make people realize that uh, this is not a joke because it's not a joke. Mm -hmm. Cool. Andres, thank you for your time. Thanks a lot, Les. All the best. Kappa, that was Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. What the chain of command is, it's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in rut and command here. To contact the show, you can email us at releasethegeek, one word, at geekxp.co.za. Thanks for listening. I'll be back. Yeah.